Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, Answers for Healing and Infinite Love, which shares stories of spiritual communication, healing energies, miracles, and discovering intuition for creating ways to expand inner wisdom and compassion from within. Today, I am delighted to welcome Kurt Kuntz, author of Practice and a former guest of this show, who will describe his life and yoga practice in India as he explored the beauty and age-old wisdom of the Himalayas and the sacred Ganges River and strove to expand his own wisdom and compassion for an adventuresome and life-changing experience. Hello, Kurt. Hello, Cheryl. Thanks for having me back on the program. You're very welcome. And I see you have been quite busy since your last guest appearance on Healing From Within. And I'm delighted to have you again share your amazing story of living life to the fullest. Curtis, listeners of Healing From Within are well aware. My guests and I share intimate experiences and insights into the metaphysical world of life. Uh, both in spirit and physical aspects, as we ask age-old questions. Who are we? Where did life originate? And why am I having this human experience? In today's episode of Healing from Within, Kurt, an outdoor adventurer, may not have been wholly guided by spirit when he first began to explore yoga. However, when he found himself in Rishikesh, India, Known to many as the yoga capital of the world, Kurt was able to explore the visual, cultural, and beautiful richness of the land, and he developed a practice that appealed not just to yogis and to travelers, but to all adventurers who strive to expand their consciousness and their love for life. Kurt, you may remember or not, that I love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood, to remember a person, place, event, or value that was important to them and may have shown them or others the life path and interest they might have as an adult. So think back to an earlier time. You know, I'm trying to think. My uh, uh, One of my father's friends was a very adventurous person, and I don't think he, he knew the influence he had on me. But he always kind of stepped out of bounds and was on the uh, on the road less traveled. And uh, that, that person made a, quite an impression on me. And it's funny you bring that up a little out of the blue. Um, uh, that person just immediately popped into my head, and I haven't even thought about that person in a long, long time. Um, beautiful thought. Yes, that's very nice. And perhaps that person wanted you to think of him at that moment. You also said when you graduated from high school, your parents gave you a suitcase and a bicycle as a graduation gift, and you took them to college. That's kind of great. And and that may have also helped you have this love for uh, travel, for meeting new people, and being open. You see, we're either open or closed. We either have fear or we've overcome our fear and we can experience new things. So that's what life is really about, being able to get rid of those inhibitions or fears we developed as children. Some of it was given to us due to the socialization process, but uh, when we overcome it and open up, the possibilities become endless. So let's go on to 
Tell us about your book, Practice. I even like the title. Simple oh, and clear. Simple. Yeah, it's really a beautiful experience. When when we left off last time, in 2012, I went to Spain and I walked the Camino de Santiago. And I came back and I had never written a book before, but I really felt compelled to write about the experience. And I self-published A Million Steps, which is the book that we talked about last time. That book, it changed my life. It, 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 I did a lot of speaking events, and it put me in touch with a whole new group of people that I had not met before. And a woman who had read the book was actually uh, doing service at an ashram in India. And she got a hold of me through Facebook, and I, I don't know her at all, but she had just reached out and said, look, I know you travel. I've also walked the Camino. I read your, I read your Camino book, and you need to come to Rishikesh. And I didn't even know what Rishikesh was in India, even though I like to travel. It wasn't even on my radar. And I pulled up Rishikesh on the Internet, and Wikipedia said that it was a small city, and small is relative. There's about 150,000 people, which in India is micro-small. Um, I read that the Beatles, when they did their iconic trip there, that's the city they went to. And uh, it was also right on the banks of the Ganges River. And within minutes of looking at that, it was just one of those moments where I knew I had to go there. And I booked a ticket, and I went and lived in an ashram and was there for uh, six weeks. And it was just an amazing experience. And when I left, I didn't think I would go back. But the next year, as I looked into my rearview mirror, all my good memories came from India. And so I went back, and then I went back again. <laughs> and over the past four years, I've spent six months there. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. Great yoga, great people, very humbling. You know, my first book was Life is No Coincidence, The Life and Afterlife Connection. And that's all life is, a, a series of connections. And you were, life's not random. And obviously this friend who let you know that you should go there uh, was also answering a higher call. Perhaps an inspiration came to her and, and she brought it to you. And it brought you to a place that you needed to explore for your own life journey and to, to become more of who you were born to be. So I'm going to say it wasn't a coincidence you ended up there. Or at least, not at all. Not at all. Of course not. So let's go on to when did you first begin to practice yoga and um, and how was yoga different for you here in the States and then what you learned over there? Because I also was told many, many, many years ago that I needed to take yoga. And I said, oh, I don't know about that. And a week later, uh, a friend had a coupon to go to this this gym and she said Cheryl why don't you come with me and since <laughs> since I had been told I, I had to take it I said yes when I might have said no so that wasn't a coincidence either and yoga enabled me to start to really feel the energy in my body and as a result I became a Reiki master energy teacher and medium and everything has its time and its way to come to us so go on and please tell us the difference, what you learned about yoga there and how you started, first started with yoga. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I started, uh, I, first off, I've been athletic for a long time. I, I love to ride bicycles and I love to hike and I love weights and I play golf and anything athletic, physical, I've always been into. 
And about six years ago, uh, a really good friend of mine uh, said, Kurt, why don't you come to yoga class with me? And I got, I don't think yoga's for me. And, you know, maybe I'd get flexible or something. And she said, I think you'd really like it. And uh, the odds are in your favor. It's about 80% women. And I thought, well, it'll be it'll be another exercise class, and the the surrounding sounds quite quite attractive. So uh, I really went into it, as I mentioned in the in the in the description read of the book, probably not with the greatest intention. I didn't go in there with a rotten intention, but I thought, you know, I'll get a little flexibility. It will be another form of exercise, and I'll be surrounded by you know beautiful women. Um, that sounds pretty good to me, and. I did that yoga for about a year, pretty regularly, about three days a week. And, you know, I, I, I just wasn't that my form wasn't right. And, uh, I, I was, my eyes were open and I was kind of not really, not really in the Zen part of it. When I ended up over in India and I, I, again, it's the yoga capital of the world. The city is called Rishikesh. There's some yogis that just go, I mean, generation after generation. It's amazing. And they really taught me how yoga can take you inward and how yoga has nothing really to do with the exercise. The exercise is a trinket you pick up along the path, but it's not the purpose of yoga. And if I can give you the simplest example, you know, I think most people say, I'm going to do some yoga because I want to get some flexibility. I never knew that you could transfer the flexibility of the body to the flexibility of the mind. And that's where the beautiful uh, spiritual experience begins. And yoga is called a practice because it can never become perfect. And that's where I came up with the title of the book. And you know, just a very simple thing in yoga. I mean, everybody's self-conscious and you go in the room and, you know, you compare yourself to the person next to you. Well, why do you need to do that? <laughs> why don't you just compare yourself to yourself and Absolutely. always try your best yes. to, to do your best? And those are the type of things that I, I really found great. And then at the end of every class, there's a pose that anyone doing yoga would be familiar with called Shavasana, which is the mm -hmm. corpse pose. And my favorite teacher over there who I did a 200-hour teacher training with, he would just always say, just relax your body. If you find some, you know, something that's not right, some tension, uh, make the adjustment, find the stillness in your body, and then transfer that stillness to your mind. And he said, then when you're not in class, take that into everyday life. When you're in a situation where you're not real comfortable, take a deep breath, relax into it, make an adjustment, and find peace and stillness. Now, how great of advice is that? So from going to class to possibly get a date to going to class to find out how to release all tension in my life and not get burned out on the minor little bumps in the road. Uh, it's yoga has just been an incredible gift. Yeah. Me. So yoga, and, yeah, yoga is a practice for mind, body, and soul and health. You see, as an energy practitioner, I work with the seven main chakras in the body. And when you're doing yoga, you are opening, think of them as wheels of light. And you're opening these wheels of light and helping to release tensions and blockages and any anything that you're the, at the cellular structure uh, that the body has uh, it been imprinted on by things that happen in our daily life, by different experiences. And it's an opening up and allowing the body to heal. So it's not only for exercise and it's not only for flexibility. 
It is for a mind-body-soul connection and for general well-being. So uh, that's why I guess I was told by that medium that I needed to go because I had to be able to discover how my body actually felt because many people are numb to the feelings of their body. They're just, they're just adhering to the outside world and other people's expectations. But you must go inward. You must feel the energy and know yourself at a soul level also before you can uh, create your best possible reality. So I think you described that very, very well. I just wanted to add on the extra benefit is your health. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful experience. Yes. So let's go on to what makes Rishikesh so special to you? You've been many places, but what's so special yeah, about this place? It's just, it, it, it's somewhat hard to describe. The The first night I got there, I, I checked into this ashram, and uh, very humble. It's just a tiny room, maybe 200 square feet, and really just a bed and a little cabinet to put some clothes in. I think there were two hangers for all my clothes for, uh, you know, for a month-plus stay. And there's just a vibe there that was really incredible. And every night they have a, a Hindu fire ceremony called Arti. And it's done right on the banks of the river along the ghat. And the ghat would be steps that, that go down into the river. And uh, there's probably almost 100 steps that, that go from the, you know, the, the path of the city down to the river. And I just sat there, and there's all this Hindu chanting and a lot of fire and flame as the sun is going down. And I just, it just melted me. I couldn't believe I was there. And with the yoga, I, I told you I ended up doing a teacher training there. And at the very end of our training, my teacher, whose name is Surrender, Surrender Singh, Surrender looked around the room and he said, how many people have been to Rishikesh before? And about half of us raised our hands. And he said, how many people feel more at home in Rishikesh than they do in any other place in the world? A hundred percent of our hands went up. And he got a big grin on his face and he said, my friends, the greatest yogis of all times, their souls are still meditating in these Himalayan mountains, and you're just being called home. And uh, isn't that's that beautiful? So yeah, isn't that beautiful? Because as a medium, I download the inspiration of many souls, many spiritual teachers, and and many angels, and and that's beautiful. The way you just said it is the truth. We're all receiving a great deal of help and love and guidance from higher life or higher consciousness or eternal life, however you want to look. And they do reside in certain places. We all have places that feel more comfortable for us, and that's following our souls. So I think you just expressed that so magnificently. Thank you very much for that. So let's go on. You also said that uh, you noticed that there were a lot of people who had lost limbs living there, and you went to a prosthetic camp where people were working to make limbs for people. And I found that very moving, that there are so many people in this modern time dealing with those challenges, and there are still always people working to help them. 
and they're grateful for that help. And you described that very beautifully. But let's go on to how does yoga in India compare to a typical class at a U.S.-based studio? And there is a big difference. Well, I think there's a, a monster difference. I think that, first off, most of the classes that I've attended over there, they're 90 minutes to two hours. Uh, so just the, the duration to begin with is much longer. I have felt in most of the places that I've gone to to do yoga in the United States, which has been to a lot of places, <laughs> um, a lot of times it's really advertised as exercise. You know, it's like yes. power yoga or weightlifting yoga or lunchtime yoga that you can do in 30 minutes and, you know, firm your ass and look cute and wear Lululemon pants and, mm -hmm. and, and all of these type things. And it's all, it's all external. Right. And over in India, the class begins with a long shavasana, and then you begin to do a little bit of movement. And you know, there's a very common, uh, a very common pose called Warrior Two. And I'll never forget one day in class in India. I'm I'm over there, and our teacher we're holding this pose for a long time, and he's talking about how you're strong and how you're the warrior and you're prepared to fight. And he's kind of making, you know, everybody feel so strong and powerful and like we're ready to go to war or something. And then he gave the kicker. He said, as strong as you are, always realize that throughout your entire life, the only battle worth fighting is the battle to, uh, to destroy the impure thoughts in your own mind. And it was just like, wow. What? <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. Now, I, I've not heard that in a domestic class in the United States. No. I, I've heard about how, you know, how my muscles are getting better and I'm becoming more attractive, but not how to devastate impure thoughts in my mind, um, which just, you know. Yes, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, the beauty of the art and the practice of yoga. Hindus believe, and I do also as a medium, we are all part of a universal divine. You we don't need to go outside to find the divine because it resides inside every human, every human. Yoga and meditation are methods to strengthen this connection to the inner soul. And you also said balance is the key to life. Ashram leaders observed, but Americans seem to be skewed toward the outward view. And that's what you just expressed. And life is an individual process. We're aiming towards self-mastery and and of our emotions and understanding and feeling our emotions and that you were able to learn that there. You know, I wrote in my book, The Living Spirit, self-mastery is an ongoing process. We are changing second by second and so is the world around us. We will never completely know ourselves or anyone else for that matter. What is important to realize is that we are not limited by our thoughts and dreams. We are not just beings of essence or spirit, nor are we merely physical bodies. We are both. So we must learn to focus and concentrate our thoughts in a consistent manner without doubt and negativity. So many of our best intentions will come to fruition. I, I believe you learned much of that in the practice over there, but perhaps not here in the United States. Is that so? 
Very, very much so. And I, I think what you just hit on a little while ago about the Hindu belief that the, that the mind is inside of everyone, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. And yeah, if you just go inward and find some calmness and calmness and stillness, uh, you get that connection. And it wasn't a quick comment on India. A lot of my friends, and, and I had the fear uh, before I went there myself, they said, it's so hard to see the poverty there. And it is. That's hard <laughs> for right. me. Uh, yeah. As but an empath, I'm to telling see you, suffering. I have never seen, yeah. you know, these are families that live three or four generations in one home. The home may have three rooms. Uh, mother, husband, uh, and children sleep in the same bed in the same room. Mm. And while they may have no bank account, no 401k, and no iPhone, uh, they have no shortage of love and commitment to each other. And it's just beautiful to experience and see that. And, you know, again, on the, on the iPhone idea, a lot of people, you know, feel, oh my gosh, they, they, it's so hard for them. They don't even have phones. And, you know, I think a lot of them are, uh, think that they're a curse to us. And, well, that's uh, quite true, isn't it? We don't have relationships. (laughs) Social media is creating a lot of serious problems now. We're only beginning oh, yeah. to know the damage yeah. that we're going to have to face in the next generation. It has to be moderated. It is a tool, but without this knowing ourselves as beings connected to each other and to you, to the universe and the God is within us and we're within the divine or creative source or force of life, we're lost. We're truly lost. We're just completely lost. Completely lost. We've lost our connection to nature and man and spirit. And there are many people seeking that in yoga. And they don't. They may start and not even be aware they're seeking that. But in time, if they learn to be silent and pay attention and ask the right questions, they will open up to this, as many people are now doing. So. What other solo traveling have you done and what have you, what benefits have you found from solo traveling? I've done a bit myself too. You know, I, I've done a total, I, I, I travel, first off, I travel six months out of the year. Uh, so I'm in, home in Boise six months and I'm gone the other six months. And what I have really found is that going with someone else is certainly fun, a lover, a family member, a friend, whatever. But when you go alone, you put yourself out there a little further. It's a little more uncomfortable. And in doing that, you end up meeting so many more people. You're just more approachable. Uh, You know, if you're with somebody, you're talking to that person. If you're alone, you have to find somebody new to talk to. And so that just opens up a million different doors. And I found, I've spent a lot of time, I just came back from, I was in Costa Rica for six weeks, a little town down there called Nosara, which is also a very yoga-centric community. And I'm finding as I travel the world that I always look for a strong yoga community because I find the people to be quite incredible and uh, very open and sharing some kind of common beliefs. And you can kind of drop into any of those communities and you're immediately welcomed in. It's like you're, you're going back to your family. Uh, so I walked the Camino alone. I went to Costa Rica alone. I've, uh, uh, done my trips to India alone. But in going back to some of these places like Rishikesh, I'm going to take my fifth trip there this October. And I have so many friends there. It's ridiculous. I, I, you know, it's hard to walk down the street without, you know, having five people and want to have chai tea with me. And, uh, it's really, it's just, it's great feeling to know that you, that you have friends all over the world like that. And, uh, again, I think if you go with other people, you just don't, you're not able to meet that many people. 
I think it is beautiful, and that's what you're doing. You're living life to the fullest. Uh, you're finding out more about yourself all the time. You're sharing your joy and your positivity, which I can hear in your voice, with everyone <laughs> you meet, everywhere you go. And that was your destiny all along, to continue oh, to reach out and to be part of everyone's life, interconnected. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, book. Well, let's let me ask you, why did you retire so early at 36 years old? Well, it was an interesting, <laughs> an interesting situation. I had worked for a large corporation, uh, the company called Micron Technology, and I sold computer chips and I sold a lot of computer chips. And in the year 2000, I was 36 years old. And this is not a story about, you know, hitting the Internet lottery and just, you know, having gold bricks, you know, land on my forehead. Uh, you know, I made some money, but if I had taken, if I had gone to a financial planner and said, I'm thinking about possibly not working for a long time, they would have just laughed at me. But I really, I don't know if it was a millennium or whatever, but in the year 2000, I thought there has to be more to life than just kind of being, you know, a slave to the man. Mm. And so I decided, well, what if I just took a temporary break from work and What's the worst thing that could happen? You know, it's just the fear. And the worst thing that could happen, I thought, was, well, I'd have to get another job. And, you know, how hard could that be? You know, I'm young, I have an education, I have some experience. And so I just thought that I will try to see if I can maybe not work. And I just found I was able to pare my lifestyle back. I don't, you know, have cabins and boats and stuff like that. I try to spend all my money on experience. And I just kind of melted into this lifestyle that has uh, has worked out. And um, a lot of travel, a lot of super interesting people. And uh, I haven't had I haven't had a job for 19 years, and I don't um, I don't see that changing. And uh, I I don't really have a lot of plans. I'm not sure where I'll You're be. You're open year, to I the know, possibilities. I know, <laughs> I know wherever flow. I will be in a year, it will be an awesome spot. And I know today will be awesome, and tomorrow will be awesome, and beyond that, what matters? Nothing. Everything is being open and being guided to fulfill your destiny, and you certainly seem to be doing that very beautifully. Uh, what is the core message that you hope readers take away from the book practice and your experiences? I think from practice and from a million steps that the main message is take a look at your life and shatter your routines because your routines dole you into sleepwalking through life. And whatever it takes to get on the edge of comfort or outside of your comfort zone, always take that path. And you'll find that's where you're able to squash fear and you're able to expand your comfort zone so you're comfortable in a lot more situations throughout life. And you'll meet more people and, and travel, travel often. I don't care who you are. If you've been in the same place for a long time, you have biases you're not even aware of. And when you get outside of those areas and you meet other people, you see how other people do things, how they practice religion, how they treat each other, how they treat the earth, how they do everything, it just shifts your perspective and makes you a lot more grounded and open and full of gratitude. Yes, so, and I, I'm going to say, Kurt, someone up there, Loves you a lot and likes you a lot. You know, that was a movie. Someone up there likes you. Because they have given you this great gift. 
right? Working is working. You know, people, some people enjoy it and I enjoy it, but, but there are so many other things to experience. And if you allow yourself to be open, even if you put out an intention that you need to go on a trip, it's going to happen because our intentions are very powerful in our thoughts. And you obviously put that out there. Someone heard it and someone is working with you to help you do all this. So I want to thank you, Kurt Kunz, author of your newest book, Practice, for your creative, adventuresome look at the visual beauty and culture that you found in India, the self-professed yoga capital of the world that you spend time in, and your unbounded admiration for the beauty of India, the Himalayas, the sacred river Ganges, and for all the families who welcomed you. Join Kurt as he finds a studio and teacher who transformed his conception of yoga. And to purchase practice, go to Kurt, K-U-R-T, Kunz, K-O-O-N-T-Z, dot com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, I believe we have seen in all the journeys Kurt has shared with us, no matter how far, how different from his own life and routines, the challenge is always within us to appreciate who we are and to realize how beautiful nature and the physical lives and cultures of other nations and lifestyles are in their own simplicity. How we find similarities in human values and dignities if we are able to give up judgment and expectation and allow our minds and hearts to enjoy all the places we visit without fear, enhances the human spirit and grows compassion and love in our essence. For our personal goal is often to just let go and flow with the experience, the people, the scenery, the food and customs, and really know how fortunate we are to have the opportunity. Each journey of every day, whether to a new country or a new street in your own neighborhood, may move you beyond your comfort zone and you may find freedom and peace. And as I'm thinking these words, I was looking at the picture on page 57 of Kurt's book of the beautiful children in Rishishkesh and and they remind me of the sweet faces of my grandsons who live in California. Children with a smile can light up a person's face no matter the place or conditions. They're innocent and trust are sincere. And Kurt Kunz's experiences ring true to the beauty of this precious discovery. Life is indeed wondrous. Kurt and I would have you begin your journey of self-exploration wherever you are, wherever you go in all of life. Each moment is a new moment of awareness and creation. If you are fortunate to explore the many beautiful places throughout the world, go with the hope of connecting to the heart and mind of others in a way that brings happiness without expecting anything in return. Share what you have. And in the giving, we are certain you will receive the love and acknowledgement of simply being the best you can. This is the journey of life and love, wherever you are, wherever you go. 
we wish you observe and explore within and also the outside world of nature, people, culture, and change. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within and author of The Living Spirit, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to read about and listen to authors and leaders in the metaphysical, scientific, medical, health, arts, and music fields explore human and divine nature and ways to live our best lives individually and collectively. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.